everybody. Thanks for joining us uh, for another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Tonight with me, as always, Tommy Johnson, Daniel Zollinger. Got a good one for you. LSU pulled off another weekend sweep uh, after a midweek loss. We have that. We have the NFL draft to uh, pour over, see who got who. And um, LSU picked up the top player in the transfer portal for women's basketball. So we got Haley Van Lith coming to town. Uh, we can talk about that real quick, too, and anything else that comes up. But before we do, got to check in with the co-hosts, see how you guys are doing. I watched a little bit of the draft, like, well, I, a little bit, basically being just the first round. Yeah. Um, just to see who would go where. I had some, uh, you know, conversations with other people at work about who might get who, because, you know, all these guys were all over the country. Um, some really wanted some of the quarterbacks that were out there, and, uh, you know, they got them from, from what I saw. But uh, before we get into all that, man, did you, uh, I'm sure you guys watch. I know we were all watching probably the first round, but did you even watch anything after that? I watched a little bit of uh, day two, kind of, okay. but but you know, not like is it not like on TV? You know, not changing the channel. Following your glued, yeah, <laughs> um, like I was the first round. But I I definitely you know kept up with it, and of course we saw our friend Kayshawn Butte fell dr- drastically. Um, you know, BJ Ojolari drafted, so that that's good for him. Jay Ward drafted, good for him. Um, I think for LSU fans, really, you know, Kayshawn's kind of the story of the draft. But I mean, the top story, it's negative, but you know, the story of the draft and really just makes you wonder why he kind of opted to, to to leave in the first place, you know, especially when he'd already said, I'm staying. So very strange, strange situation. Um you know, but on the flip side, maybe Belichick got a steal, right? That's maybe maybe he'll turn into like a great NFL player, and he's really undervalued right now. Yeah, yep. I watched the first round, and then I watched the second round up until BJ got drafted. I think he was only like the fifth or sixth pick off the board, kind of right after the Saints. I was like, okay, I've had my fill, uh, and then that was enough. But yeah, I had a kind of a stormy weekend here in Florida. There was actually a tornado just like two miles away from where I live that was literally flipping cars uh, on, on the street. But thankfully it was just kind of stormy, right? Like by my place, uh, but I was kind of shut in. So I got to watch the, the baseball at least and nice. three very stressful games. So LSU fans had their blood pressure medication going uh, against Alabama, which I'm sure we'll get into here. Oh yeah, we will. Um, Dan, are you, you down there near Fort Lauderdale or are you North of that? I forget. Uh, I'm a little bit North of that Palm beach County. Okay, because I know there's like a lot. Of, I don't know. I keep reading about flooding that's going on down there. I don't know anyone that's down there. Like if it's still bad or what. If you're like, you know, like you're saying, if you just saw this storm, if it, it's like, all right, we finally got some water to recede. And then, boom, now we got tornadoes again. So, yeah, God bless the people down there. But um, we're going to pack to uh, some people in Baton Rouge. Man, it was, uh, it, you know, I, th- I think you said this right before we started recording, Tommy. Um, LSU lost the midweek game again. Yep. But then they sweep the weekend series. So I don't know. Maybe we kind of keep this new formula we got going, right? Because yeah, the, let's just punt these, <laughs> punt these midweek games. Yeah. Well, I mean, LSU is actually trying to win it. Nichols, you know, the Colonels are just giving it their all, and they ended up taking the game. Um, I mean, we had a, I think we had a couple guys out again, but still, it. Um, I thought after they lost. Oh, maybe we'll sweep the weekend. And sure enough, we did. Yeah. Uh, Alabama did try and give it their all. Uh, but we, I think we essentially had enough pitching to 
survive that and take the series. Um, I'd say, you know, the first game was, was all LSU. Um, pretty much if you have Paul Skeens as your starter, that's, that's pretty much going to be how that, that first game goes down. Um, he was, it, I think he had what one, uh, only one hit through six scoreless innings, nine K's, something like that. Yeah. If you can't, I mean, if, if, if you, with the lineup that we have, if we can't win with Skeens pitching, then it's, there's, there's problems. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, he's been the most consistent player we've got on our team. Um, and with, with him and Dylan Cruz, the two best players in all of college baseball. I mean, when he's pitching, it's, it, it's not even, it's not even close. Yeah. No one's been able to touch him this year. No, right? I mean, he's had one loss, but yeah. that, I think that was that weird rained, rained out game or something, wasn't it? Oh, the rain delay game. The one against South Carolina. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, anywho, the, uh, I mean, the guy's got the best ERA and I think the best opposing batting average in the country. So yep. yeah, he's a pretty safe bet. Although to your point of, you know, there's no reason where you should lose. If you've got Paul Skeens with our lineup, I would extend that to some of our other pictures. You know, it's like there's, you know, Ty, uh, Christian little did all right on Sunday. And then a couple other guys did okay for a few innings. It's just the, you know, our guys would go ahead, but they just, they couldn't hold the lead. Yeah. It's like our lineup. It's like, we, we left a lot. We leave a lot of guys on. I feel it's like we had a base that's loaded with zero outs in the, I think it was a first or second game. And we just got one out. Meanwhile, Alabama had bases loaded with two outs and they go for four runs. Yeah. You know, it's just frustrating because you see these teams like take advantage of these opportunities. Um, you wonder how we can't, but it's like our, our lineup, you're just going to swing away. I, I mean, we did get a, a, a bunt score, a bunt RBI this, this uh, weekend. I think it was Malazzo. Uh, so we can play small ball if we really want to, but with our lineup, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to justify trying to manufacture runs when, most of the uh you know most of the uh the lineup can can hit for power hit for average and, and it's you know been known to tear the cover off the ball yeah really one through it's, nine the the midweek game disappointing to lose against Nichols. it was basically a repeat of last week where they yeah. were giving it all and, and we couldn't get our, our mojo going not sure what the problem was there. Thatcher heard we started him who actually had a, a pretty good performance by his standards going four innings yeah. and only giving up one run. Uh, but for what was a pretty big theme of the week, the, the relief pitching was shaky at best um, in, in that game. And also against Alabama, we almost gave away the game on Friday after Skeens pitched, he locked down six innings and Griffin Heron came in and uh, Bama started pouring them across the plate, which made it a lot closer than it needed to be. And then on Saturday and Sunday, it was LSU having to come from behind because Ty Floyd and Christian Little, who had looked pretty good the past couple of weeks, they both had struggles. And then especially on Saturday, I think we used eight pitchers. We were just bringing in every single person trying to get a stop and nobody could really get much anything going. Uh, it took a lot of clutch hitting and power, um, Big three-run home runs. Hayden Travinsky, again, had a big clutch one. Uh, and Jaron Jones also with two home runs. 
Uh, so when, when you got that type of power, you're going to win games as seen by this weekend. Uh, we can just purely outscore enough, but it, it makes you worried uh, for down the stretch in the postseason play. It's like, I don't want to win it every game like 10 to eight or something like that. We need 10 to two or 10 to three. Yeah. Uh, or we, even we just like, a, or even just like a, a five, nothing game. Yeah. Um, we, we need the, this is basically the, well, I guess this is similar to in years past, um, but we've had struggles in, in the past couple of years where the pitching would be so good and we'd only give up like three or four runs, which in college is not that much, but then our offense couldn't get anything going and we lose the game four to two. Uh, this is kind of the vice versa where, you know, our offense is going to score, but we just got to like keep it settled down and, and keep them in check. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll see if that happens against the, the big bats um, Vanderbilt and, and Florida and South Carolina later on in the season. Yeah. Or whoever else we end up, playing like we'd probably face those those guys in the sec tournament quick correction uh paul skeens he had five runs or excuse me five hits only one run i think i had that backwards he he did give up one run but five hits over six innings that's amazing and he, yeah. uh, he actually leads the league in innings pitched most guys get chased away after however long but uh not skeens i mean he's at like 65 innings so far and yeah i don't know what it is with this team it's like we well, well, do you, I would say we're, we're not specific to it, but we have a lot of three-run bombs. A lot of them are like just clutch, right? Like yeah. That's two weeks in a row with Travinsky just hitting a three-run bomb when you need it. And, um, man, Jared Jones, he's just – like he's – I don't know. Uh, he's He like homer twice in one game against Alabama. It's He's 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 a freshman, true freshman, and he's got more home runs than, uh, than Tommy White. So He's kind oh. of the – like mid two thousands prototypical MLB first baseman, like Ryan Howard or something where he's either going to strike out or like mash one deep. Yeah. And then he just kind of stands there at first base. So the rest <laughs> yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, some encouraging things though. I think uh, w- as far as the pitching. Uh, yeah. That your herd came in, did well for two, two, uh, like two and a third. And he got his first save of the season. Same with Javen Coleman, like guys, you know, recuperating, well, not recuperating, he's working himself back into rotation from Tommy John surgery, which, you know, if you know, you know, but if you don't, it's, it takes a long time to recover. It's like that, it's like that ACL injury. Um, but I mean, he did two and a third scoreless against uh, Alabama, no hits, three walks, six Ks. Um, that was awesome. He got his first win, first time in like since 22. And I don't know. Uh, I think if, that trend continues. It's like hopefully these guys, A, continue with their, their abilities, and A, just, or B, just, you know, build on some confidence. Because I don't know if it was, that was Hurd's issue, because I was like, you could see talent, but it just, it wasn't sustained. And it would be good for one inning and then just get driven out of the game in the next one. So I don't know. Hopefully these guys can uh, put something together and build on that, and maybe we'll get some guys back. Maybe not, but as long as the guys we have step up, we'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I am wondering about if of the status of Garrett Edwards. Have we heard anything on him? No, I know the, the rumors are that he's pretty much done for the season, which really? is unfortunate, but I, I don't think they've released any official statement. Him and Shea Shores have pretty much been no-shows for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I know Shores. I, I, I heard, I think Shores is officially out for the season. Is that right? That's what I heard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but still, yes, you're right, Daniel. No official word on on Edwards. So I mean, you're yeah. I I'm 
feel like if we haven't seen him yet, he's probably not coming back, but um I'm hopeful. I wish I wish they would kind of, you know, announce it. Yeah. Um but looking forward this week, Tigers. Well, it's not a it's not a home game, but it's like right down the street there, going to Silu, Southeast Louisiana. Then they they travel to Auburn, who, you know, kind of really hadn't done anything all year. They've been at the bottom, but they just took two out of three from South Carolina out of huh. nowhere. So there, there is that. Uh, like I said, man, it's, it's, you can, you know, we looking when we were talking about the rest of the schedule, it, you know, as it, this was supposed to be the easier part. If teams start getting hot, you know, like Alabama wasn't a complete pushover. We won all three, but um, you know, they, it, it wasn't out of, out of reach by any stretch. And then you look at somebody like Tennessee who, after they got swept, They've won like, I think seven in a row. Everybody's competitive is kind of what you're what you're getting at. So, well, yeah, um, but like Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee had a losing SEC record, but now they've just won I think seven SEC games in a row. So, like they're just putting on, they're pouring on the runs. So, you know, we beat them already, but it could be a different team by the time we see them in Hoover. That's true. Yeah, um, I mean, I that's, I am. I don't think that even though we, now we've won every game that we've needed to, you know what I mean? We, we, we've swept two, two, uh, we're what on a seven game winning streak in the S in SEC play. We've swept the last two series we've, we've won every series we played in an SEC. Um, that being said, I do this. I don't like this team's not unstoppable. And, you know, I do kind of worry that we're, you know, that we're going to run into something, you know, in the either whether it's Hoover or Omaha, um, I, I think there's some still some room for us to to grow and improve. Uh, and I think in order to really make a run, we're going to have to be just a little bit tighter, a little bit tighter on the on the, the pitching, um, you know, a little bit more dominant on the on the pitching, like kind of like Daniel talked about. And, and uh, you're right, Scott, we can't leave people on base like we've been doing. Agreed. Yeah, looking looking at this Auburn game, uh, it's never easy to play four road games in one week going against Southeastern, who's I don't think a pushover team either. I think they're pretty decent for their conference, uh, and then Auburn, who's not a not a Titan, but uh, tough to play on the road. It, it will be possibly kind of juicy. Uh, LSU leads the SEC in batting average at three eighteen for the team, and Auburn has the second worst pitching ERA of any team. They're giving up uh, six point three eight team era so maybe Cruz white and company come come to bash yeah i can only hope but uh yeah like you said on the pitching at the beginning we were like top in batting average and top in era um it kind of in the non-conference schedule and we, we started to slip kind of middle of the pack now 4.49 team era uh so that's definitely something that you can improve on get under four there uh tennessee leading the the sec tennessee south carolina and vanderbilt all under four um so yeah room for improvement it's it's hard to say room for improvement when you're the number one team but yeah just watching the alabama game we still do some kind of dumb stuff like a lot of errors um some kind of general mistakes strikeouts grounding into double plays i mean every team has this but sometimes you just watch me you're like oh my goodness like this is classic lsu yeah Uh, so um things to work on and hopefully that can be cleaned up before the the big postseason push in a couple weeks absolutely 
Yeah, and just as far as the anything that can be cleaned up, it's just like giving away runs, right? Like loading the bases on hit batters and walks, yes. and wild pitches, wild pitches that score runs without even a batter taking a swing. If you could eliminate that, that might save like us having to get a three-run bomb in the bottom of the eighth inning to save a win, to save a win you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll see as the weeks go by. But just look, I haven't really looked around the country outside of the SEC to see. I know Wake Forest has been right behind us the whole way. Uh, they've been, I mean, they haven't let up at all. Other teams have kind of gone up and down a little bit just from what I saw in the rankings. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, it'll be interesting because all that really matters at the end of it, obviously, you, you know, you got to make the field of 64. Uh, no doubt about that. No worry for us or pretty much any of the other teams in the SEC that would make it. But all that really matters is that top eight, right? It's like if uh-huh. you get that in your hosting, which I'm pretty sure we're going to do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if LSU lost and was still like ranked number eight. Yeah. We got that. We have home field advantage until Omaha. And it's at true. that point, all bets are off. So it, was, it, it doesn't matter. You know, LSU could dip if they not. I mean, if we'd have lost one or two games this weekend. Who knows? Maybe we, we would have fallen out of the top seed in the country, the top ranking. But – I don't know. I think with the way the SEC is lined up, it's just going to be like Hoover 2.0, right? There's probably going to be at least, I don't know, I'd say maybe even four SEC teams that might make it to Omaha just yeah. based off what the rest of the country is doing. It's like, there's oh, there's SEC bias and this and that. But you know what? We were playing teams outside of the SEC. We're beating them. We're beating each other up, going up and down. But I, I don't know. I think the like the strength of the programs in the SEC are just stronger. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll take it. I think we'll put four teams in Omaha. So I, I think you're right. I mean, there's, there's five in the top eight right now. And with right. Tennessee, exactly. Tennessee at 18, um, I mean, you know, those are at tennis, like, and you said, Tennessee coming on strong kind of over the past couple of weeks. Um, those are, you know, that that's a, and then if you look at the top at kind of the rankings as well, a lot of small schools, like Dallas Baptist, Campbell out of North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Connecticut. Um, and so I, I feel like like these are teams, UTSA is another another one that's, you know, kind of smaller, smaller time where if one of these teams gets into a super regional with a Tennessee, um, you know, even if Tennessee's lower ranked, I'm not. I'm not afraid of seeing. I'm not. I'm not uh, doubting them coming through and and getting out of the super regional, even if they're not hosting. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely a possibility where you get four, you know, three, four SEC teams in the in Omaha. It's e- easy. Just means more. It really does just mean more. <laughs> it sure does. Um, I mean, nothing says that. Just look around the league and look at our stadiums, and then you look at some of the other teams outside the conference, look at their stadiums, look at their attendance. Uh, I mean, it, that's, it, I know it's a, a hokey slogan if you're not a fan of SEC sports, but in this regard, it's actually a fact. Baseball does mean more in the SEC, and you can see it on pretty much every level. So yeah, there is that. Um, looking ahead, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, – I mean, of course, I wouldn't want to lose to C. Lou, but if we did, I would think, all right, well, we're going to sweep Auburn. And we're going to sweep Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on from baseball, uh, got to mention this, though. Uh, 
I mean, it's we don't usually follow recruiting for women's basketball, but I mean, <laughs> if your team is pulling in the top transfer in the country, uh, that I think it's definitely worth mentioning. And that's what the Kim Mulkey and the Lady Tigers did. Uh, they got Haley Van Lith from from Louisville, who came to campus. I think it was like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. You know, and then after that, I saw you know because people follow this stuff, and anytime we rec- I see it mostly in football, where recruit, oh yeah, he's he's starting to follow players and coaches. Yeah, I think that's a crystal ball prediction. I mean, she was actually doing that. I saw someone post that, and then boom, here she is. So got her coming in, uh, teaming up with Angel Reese and Flaugier and and everyone else we have. You know, Kim Mulkey too, of course. I don't know. <laughs> I, I before I thought, well, is this nice for the Tigers to win? But with this addition, I think that puts them right back in the talk of can they repeat? <laughs> yeah, the uh, seems that the Mulkey effect is real um, with the the transfer of Van Lith from Louisville to LSU. LSU actually just passed UConn to have the to be the odds-on favorite to win next year's national champion, at least in Vegas's eyes, and rightfully so. I mean, Van Lith. I only saw her play one game, which is actually against uh, Iowa. And that was the game that Caitlin Clark like did the, you can't see me to her in the elite eight. And that's why uh, Angel Reese did it in the final four. But yeah, she played still uh, Van Lith still played really well in that game and definitely will be a plug and play starter for Alexis Morris, who's leaving at the point guard position. So, uh, and we also got Michaela Williams. I think the number two recruit in the country coming in is a true freshman. So they got weapons and they'll have their sights set on another final four national championship. So at least one basketball program has got the pipeline rolling and uh, it's exciting for LSU sports. True. And it's kind of, I mean, it's, it is really kind of crazy. Like um, I know, I mean, for, like you said, Scott, this was kind of a, wow, we won. This is exciting. Like, this is great for Kim Mulkey. You can't believe that, you know, they, she did it so quickly but you're right. Like she's building this already into, into a, uh, a, a formidable program and, and being able to recruit heavily and get top tier talent off of the win. So um, yeah, really, really exciting. I, I mean, it kind of makes you think of, kind of makes you think of the early stage. Like when UConn had that really dominant run of like six or seven years in a row, when they won the national championship almost every year. And it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, they're the best team. So the number the one, like, yeah. the number one players is kind of like Alabama football a little bit too. Like the, the best players go there and they just win again and again. And yeah. I think it's even more pronounced, especially in women's basketball, where like one player can make such a huge difference. So you get the the best, then you stay the best. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah, yeah. And all those teams you mentioned, you know, they pretty much had the best coach too. So uh, I think that just shows what Kim Mulkey has, and she's not just, you know, kind of going with the flow. I I like what she's doing now in that she's using what she's done in her status Mm -hmm. to her own advantage. Like she's using this leverage early into where she, she said something this past week, someone asked her about the PMAC. She said, well, uh, you know what? I, I I think it needs to, needs to be renovated or we just need to build a new, a new, not stadium, but you know, arena. Yeah, exactly. And she says, I can, you know, I just won. So I can say that <laughs> she's yeah. right. right. She is right. Yeah. Nobody's going to argue with her. No. I mean, you could say, yeah, well, yeah. Like we, we appreciate you winning the title. You know, it's just, we, that's a few, a few years in the making right there. But if she went back to back, 
I think they okay, okay, Kim, we'd like to talk to you about this new arena. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because uh, now, yeah, it's like we, you're building a, a, a dynasty here. We can't have rats crawling across the floor like Daniel saw or like rain dripping down from the ceiling. So fix it. Fix it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We'll let the library and people like Robert Mann just kind of <laughs> wait in the wings a little bit. But hey, <laughs> priorities have to happen here. Agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, um, we're not winning. We're not winning any library national championships. No, no. Those days are long gone. Long gone. Um, but anyway, uh, so, yeah, good for her. Good for the program. Good for the school. Uh, I think it'll help. And, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe maybe they'll set some more attendance records in the PMAC for as long as it still exists. Um, but uh, moving on yet again, uh, guys, we had the NFL draft this week. It was, I don't know, it's probably the one of the least exciting drafts that I've kind of paid attention to. I didn't even, you know, I pretty much only watched day one. But uh, I don't know, there's a lot of names that I didn't even recognize in that first round, which, you know, if you're a Saints fan, you're like, well, that that's that really, doesn't really matter. You know, we find <laughs> gyms all the time. Um but yeah, I don't know. It was just uneventful, you know. There wasn't. I mean, there was some moving around with positions in order, but not really anything blockbuster. Like, what did you guys think of, of the draft? We'll get into like the Tiger players, of course. But I don't know. Just your your overall impression of the draft itself. I felt well, like the Texans did make a little bit of a splash. Did they? With their uh, they tra- wait they traded um they traded in to get CJ Stroud and then traded again to get uh uh. Uh, Will Anderson, I think. Yep. At two and three back to back. Two and three. That's yes. Right. Which I was like, I felt like that's a little bit uncommon. Like you don't see that too often, but other than that, oh, yeah. I agree with you, Scott. Yeah. The big question was kind of where the, the top quarterbacks were going to go. And like we predicted Bryce song one, one to the Panthers. So um, the saints fans are going to have to be contending with him over the next few years. The Panthers have had a lot of quarterback trouble. Hopefully he can kind of write the ship for them. But then you mentioned Stroud to the Texans. And then Anthony Richardson at four to the Colts. So they believed in his athleticism and a guy who was not even remotely near the top of the draft class a year ago going at four. So good for him. We'll see if the the athletics and the tape um, or which which one of the two wins there. Yeah. And then the, the, the other one was Will Levis, who some people thought was top five pick, but then ended up sliding um, all the way to the second round. So that was kind of a sad because he was in the draft room, him on the couch with his family and just he, he was keeping up pretty they good spirits into him. Yeah, they kept yeah. It was like, when is going to going to go? And then, and then it finally happened. I think I forget who actually picked him in the second round. Uh, the was, Titans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Titans picked him. Um, so I guess good for him. But other than that, yeah, fairly standard. Saints went D end. Uh, Brian Brissy from Clemson, who a uh, number one player in the country out of high school, showed a lot of promise before having injury issues. So um, hopefully he can live up to his potential and uh, pr- be a big run stuffer and, and edge rusher there. And they went D end again in the second round. So I guess that was a big focus for them. But yeah, pretty fun. Uh, LSU not having any players in the first round, so I think since 2018. So that was kind of sad to see. Um, but they, they did have a, have a fair number picked up towards the back end of the draft. So um, we'll see if they get roster spots and, and so forth later this summer. Yeah. And um, really quickly, you mentioned Will Levis. Every time they cut to him, it seemed like there's like 
three or four girls always around him. I know his his uh, his girlfriend was there, but there were always all these other I'm like who are these people? It's like he, he was like some, it's like he was like training up. <laughs> yeah, it's like you cut to some these family rooms, and it's you can tell oh that's family. That's probably mom, mom, dad. Yeah, it's like mm, I wonder if that's his agent. Like who is this? Like there was a couple of guys where it was like you know like a big dude. Um, I can't remember who who it was. Specific. Oh, it was uh. The, the running back that was taken, uh, Robinson. Yeah, Bijan. Yeah, and then there was like some 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 white lady in like a suit. So I'm like, all right, who's that? Who's oh that? no, I saw the same thing. I was like, and she's sitting there, and he's talking to, him, and it was like, well, that I don't think that's his mom. And then like, there's like, it looks like it's his his mom is on the other side, and yeah. he's talking to the to the lady. I get, I, I think you're right. I think that might have been an agent. Yeah, something like that. Because it, yeah, it's just. Some of these times, even like a couple of times when they would cut to like their homes that they weren't at the draft, uh, it was, you'd still see something similar. But anyway, um, I wanted to – well, now that I think about it, I when I saw C.J. Stroud was drafted, I don't know. I thought that was kind of a surprise. I know he was you know at the top of the list of quarterbacks, but I don't know. I guess I thought that, that S2 score or whatever it was where he was like the last out of everyone <laughs> draft eligible didn't hurt him a bit. And neither did the fact that Ohio State quarterbacks don't really have a good track record in the league. It's like it's none of that, none of that came up, none of that mattered. CJ Stroud is our guy, said the Texans. Just interesting, right? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I guess if they knew they were gonna, if they knew they were gonna trade up to get Will Anderson either way, it didn't really matter if they picked him, you know, second or third. Um, yeah, I. I I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't. I don't think this that CJ Stroud is the is the um, savior. You know, the savior of the Texans. I don't think he's going to be the you know the next Deshaun Watson or you know or whoever. But um, I, I maybe you know they they must really like him. There's a lot a lot of people like him though. There's a lot of a lot sure. of the experts you know kind of say he's um he's going to be a, a, a top level talent. So uh. Good, good luck to him, but I, I think they made a much better pick with Will Anderson at three than C.J. Stroud at two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do, you, do you want me to give a quick rundown all the LSU players who got drafted just for the... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the first off, we mentioned uh, B.J. Ojolari, edge rusher to the Cardinals, second round, 41st overall, so uh, early second round pick. Too bad he didn't slide into the first, uh, but then they had to wait till day three for the next player, offensive lineman, Anthony Bradford to the Seahawks in the fourth round. And after that, also in the fourth round, uh, safety slash cornerback Jay Ward to the Vikings. Um, and then also the fifth round, the Vikings went back to back LSU, uh, D tackled Jaqueline Roy, who he had a lot of kind of draft type a couple of years ago too, coming like out of high school in his, in his first year at LSU, but kind of got overshadowed a little bit. Um, and then kind of the big story into the sixth round, Keishon Butte following all the way to the Patriots, 187th overall, uh, who could have been at one time wide receiver one and not quite sure what number wide receiver he was, but it wasn't that high. Uh, <laughs> and then last also in the sixth round cornerback, uh, Jarek Bernard Converse to the New York Jets. So I think that's one, two, three, four, five, six players overall. So not the, uh, bumper crop of NFL talent that we've had in the past, but nothing to sneeze at either, I suppose. No, and we knew that going into this draft. I don't think anybody said this was a particularly strong draft for LSU. Um, but 
uh i mean like 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 we said i think at the top of the, the top of the podcast uh the the fall of of uh of Butte is probably the the number one story for LSU fans. Um, we'll see how we'll see how he plays. We'll see if if Belichick you know basically got another steal, um, which she very well might. You know, they'll, I, I don't know if you can necessarily count him out, but um, it, it still does not make any sense to me as to why why he announced to come back then like completely 180 i'm going to the draft then went to the combine did very poorly then went to pro day and said actually i'm good i'm not doing anything at pro day like it's like almost all the steps that you would think you would take to like to ensure yourself a be- the, the top like the best chance you can have he did the opposite of <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah He's the, only, the, only, the only thing he didn't do was get arrested yes uh, which which stetson bennett did because he was drunk and knock, knocking on the wrong door, and he still got drafted. And I will say this: Stetson Bennett was undefeated against pretty much everybody else in the draft. So there is that. And Stetson uh, Bennett has two rings. So two, true, and yeah. he's like the like the stats leader for Georgia football uh, foot uh, for quarterbacks. Um, and Kayshawn, yeah, Bill, you would think Belichick. All right, well, maybe Kayshawn can you know step up his game and learn from him. Belichick is no stranger to like. We talk about how Saban is like a rehab for coaches. Like he's done that for wide receivers, right? Oh, like yeah. He had Terrell Owens. He had Randy Moss at one point. Not that like Moss was rehabilitated, but you know, it's just like guys. He, but, he you know, they tried were, an experiment on Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's true. So it's like he, he'll try, he'll take a flyer on those. He'll do that. But you know, that's after they've already established themselves in the career. Not if you're doing that coming out of college. So I, I don't know if it's this. I mean, he's going to have to, but Belichick has made, you know, household names out of guys that we hadn't heard of before too. Right. So there is that, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you mentioned the Vikings taking back to back LSU. Do you see the, uh, the, the Eagles? They just wanted everything they want UGA had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to recreate that defense from like two, three years ago. Kind of I mean, cool. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, the I the Eagles I like what they're doing I liked watching them on this run in the past year like Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. um I, I like the pieces that they picked up around you know that they picked up um around him so they're gonna be fun to watch it, it'll be exciting yeah I had a question about yeah. you about the go ahead Daniel oh no I was gonna say yeah they were a hair's breadth away from winning the Super Bowl last year against the Chiefs and they did the same strategy last year picking Georgia players I think Jordan Davis in the first and then a few others and it worked for them so they went back to the well some people are already saying they're going to be trying to trade in to take Brock Bowers at the top of next year's draft um just complete that um but yeah go ahead no well I was just going to talk about the draft but since you mentioned that I'm like yo why because obviously you know, it's working with the, D- the Eagles defense. The Bengals offense kind of started that trend. You know, they had Burrow, then they got Jamar Chase. And, and it's like, why don't they trade for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Thaddeus Moss and just do the same thing? Let's just do it. Uh, yeah. But that's, you know, they're, they're not going to do that. Um, the draft itself, because, you know, I like that it's it's not always going to be a Radio City music hall. You know, they're, they, they're moving it around. Yeah. And a lot of these obviously have the covered part where the the stage is uh but i don't know where it was in kansas city but it was like on a hill all mm-hmm. these people were there 
I kind of like that. Just wondering what you guys thought of that as, as opposed to like some controlled environment like Radio City Music Hall or the Staples Center in LA, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, do you think they'll like move around to others? I hope that's their goal here um, so that all cities have a chance. It just kind of worked out that it was right after the Kansas City won the Super Bowl. But uh, I don't know. I think, well, I just want to know what you guys thought of that, that setup. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually thinking about this as I was watching it. Um, I think they started this after COVID, right? Yep. Um, I, I, I kind of feel like I might like the old rate, the old way better. I don't know. I yeah. kind of liked the stage, and it was more of a like this feels like more of an more of an event. Which maybe I mean, I guess that's kind of what they want, and maybe they want to, they they obviously want to cover it more like that. And it's you know they're they I don't know if you noticed like they did a lot more of the like, um personal pieces on each of the players. Whereas it used to be, I mean, you talk about the old, the radio city music hall days. It was Bill Kuyper, Todd McShay, and a couple other people sitting at a booth. You wait, then it's da, 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 the picks in. And then you watch for like three minutes while they're picking the other, while the, the next team is on the clock, you're watching three minutes of the guy Tate who was just picked. Yeah. Now it was much more of like, the person's picked and then we're going to like do a story on like when he was a kid, he had this puppy and the puppy's name was Joe Montana. And now he plays for, you know, now he plays for the 49ers and it means a lot to him. So, um, I mean, it's fine. I'm not saying it's bad, but I, I, I think I do prefer the older way just cause I, I wanted to see a lot more of like the, to be honest, there are a lot of people, like you said, Scott, I didn't know any of these people in the first round. A lot of them, and it's like, well, I want to see these people play. I, you know, did I did I miss this person, or was this somebody who I like saw, like, you know, oh, he was a really good defensive end for TCU, and I saw him through the playoff, but I just never knew his name. And then you know, show me some highlights. I'm like, oh, I remember that guy. I don't know. Um, I feel like we kind of missed out missed out on that a little bit with the kind of difference in coverage. But I wouldn't say it's you know, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, I, I think I agree with both of you in some regard where the on the road draft may have limited some of their like elegant production aspects of the thing where they kind of can tailor every single little bit of it. Um, I think that there's opportunity there for them to maybe find a new home for the draft. Kind of like the combine is like Indianapolis is saying like, it's always at Lucas oil stadium. Yeah. Maybe the draft is, I mean, before it was New York, but what about somewhere like Vegas having the draft there? Uh, Cause there's already a whole lot of, um, involvement from the the betting community on like where players are going to get picked etc cetera, etc cetera. vegas yeah. has the the glitz and the glamour so i feel like something like that could work is kind of the residence for the draft uh but yeah maybe sh- shop it around for a few different locations new orleans miami uh wherever Atlanta. else uh and, and see what what fits and then if it doesn't work then you can always just go back to the old way it's true yeah you can always do that i it was, I mean, I think it's cool that local fans can come out and watch it. It was outdoors. They, uh, I mean, if it was raining, uh, you know, it'd have been a totally different story. Uh, but the, you know, the exterior shots are cool. I do think, um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Daniel. I think that the production value is probably better in a, in a controlled environment like uh, Radio City Music Hall. And before, it's like the guys were in the audience. Like, it's like the Oscars. They, their name was called and they go up there. Now, like, this particular setup, it's like there are all these living room scenarios. Yeah. Instead of, it's like they called his name. It was cool to see him stand up and get 
dabs and hugs from everybody. But instead of this three minute video watching highlights, now it's like audio. They're just talking about the guy, and we're just watching a three minute video of him making his way to the stage. <laughs> and there was that doorman. What was the doorman? I I don't know. I didn't I don't like know. that. That was not cool. I, I don't mind the the mirror with the hat putting I it on. That was actually kind of cool. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And I I'd say keep that. Get rid of the three minute walk. Yeah. So I, I could say maybe. I don't know. I, I could take it or leave it, but I could say get rid of the living room situation. Just put all the guys in one area like before because uh-huh. like, who's, you know, it's the only job in the world where it's like everyone's around when you when you like find out that you're hired. Right? Yeah. And it jumps up and celebrates like I, I didn't do that when I got this job at Allstate. There wasn't like my family and friends. just <laughs> You know, I mean, that'd yeah. be great. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there is that. I mean, there is also still Roger Goodell. Everyone hated him. But then there was the, the guest presenters. You see, I don't know. I mean, oh, I yeah. think that's fine too. Some local charity did this or that, and there was one, but like the the local, what was it? I think it was the Boys and Girls Club. This guy was like, you could see him uh, taking breaths because yeah. he had to make this big announcement. And I'm like, come on, dude, get on with it. You're on. He was the no, Jets no. guy, I think, right? No, no, that was the kid. Oh, okay. that was the Make a Wish. I'm talking about two times before there was two guys up there, and this uh, kid was just <gasps> building himself up to say this. And now with the whatever pick, the so-and-so. But yeah, that Jets kid, he was ready. Yeah. That was his moment. He took yep. it. He shined. He got the audience going. I think the pick was lackluster, but I mean, he was great. So it, isn't it, kind of, it would be kind of unfortunate if you like won a contest or if like this is like your, you know, your dream to like read off a pick and then you get like some terrible player. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> you read off some guy who's never, he's not even going to make the team. <laughs> Right. You're wrapped in the backup guard in the sixth round. <laughs> the crowd is very thin. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a good draft, I guess. Uh, do we do you know where it is next year? Did they say? Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Um, I guess they're just figuring it out as they go. But there you go. In the books um we'll see what they what these guys can do over the summer and in the fall i mean it'd be great to see Keyshawn revive himself kind of like i don't know i think the closest thing i can compare him to is maybe honey badger right career didn't end quite as he wanted to in college but then when he got to the pros it's like okay yeah that's who we saw that's who we know yeah um or um i uh uh daniel hunter oh yeah he was uh, he was supposed to be all world at lsu and then just kind of never really hand out, and then then turn into be like a great NFL player. Yeah, he's still on there. He's still with the Vikings. Yeah, it's like he, that last that second to last year is like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be great. Then the next year was, eh, he's yeah, good. he's yeah. good. Anything else? I think we kind of covered it all already. Yeah, I think that about does it. Okay. Well, then that will do it for us. So, uh, having said that. Tune in next week. We'll have a recap for the LSU versus Auburn series. Hopefully the Tigers can make it three sweep weekend sweeps in a row. Uh, we've done pretty well so far, uh, especially with our SEC slate. So tune in for that. And we'll have any other news that comes out. Um, LSU was looking on a defensive line coach. I don't know that that was finalized yet, but hopefully maybe we could have that for you as well. Uh, so tune in next week and you can find out. Actually, no. Uh, he was officially named. I see it now. Uh, LSU named uh, Jimmy Lindsey 
their new defensive line coach. Uh, he they pulled him from South Carolina. He's been there for over two years, which is kind of what Brian Kelly wanted, right? A guy that's had some uh, some SEC coaching and recruiting experience. I mean, he's been in college for like twenty years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what Kelly wanted. He got him. Now we're going. So any any thoughts on that real quick? Um, you know, it's kind of kind of like almost like Mulkey, but Kelly wants, Kelly gets. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh I mean if if uh if track records anything, I think he had I think he had one guy picked, uh Zach Pickens. He was taken sixty fourth overall, so ahead of anybody we had at that position. So uh, looking forward to see what he can do with our defensive line coming back. I mean, goodness, you know, Mason Smith, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm already excited to see what he can do. Uh, it's just now he's getting a mulligan season, basically. Yeah. Uh, he played what one, like a few, one series last yeah. year. Uh, but anyway, uh, looking forward to that. We'll see. I'm sure he'll have a press conference. We can hear more about him, but until then, uh, hope everyone has a good week. And y'all stay safe and stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs.